Welcome in to episode 10 of College Sports Today. You're on WLRZ at 99.3 FM. I'm your host, Hamilton Neal. As always, we thank you so very much for taking some time to join us here on the show this week. Happy New Year to all. 2022 is underway. We got a big year in sports. We got a big year coming up on this show as well. We are pleased every single week to bring these installments to you, give you the latest in the world of college athletics. As usual, we'll start the show off tonight with some news from right here at Lenore Ryan University. The Bears men's basketball team has been in action. We'll talk about a couple of games that they have played over the last couple of days. We'll then go over into our college football segment. We'll talk about the college football playoff national semifinals, full recaps of those two games. We'll also give you a little preview as well to the national championship game coming up between Alabama and Georgia. We'll talk about the Rose Bowl game, Ohio State winning a wild contest over Utah, and a very, very big headline regarding one of the best players in the country now in the transfer portal. We'll then wrap up the show with our men's and women's college basketball top five games from the last week. But again, we'll start things off with news from right here at Lenorine and the Lenorine men's basketball team. Playing on New Year's Day for the second time in the past three years, the Bears battled number 17 Lincoln Memorial, but fell by nine points on Saturday afternoon. Jordan Guest led the scoring effort for LMU, notching at 27 points for the game on a 10 of 19 shooting. Alex Stalling and Mikel Berries added 15 and 14 points respectively. Four players finished in double figures for LR, led by 13 apiece from Jalen Johnson and TJ Nesmith. Sal Wilson had 12 points and four assists, and Kevin Kangu added 10 as well. Wednesday night, the Bears dropped their eighth consecutive contest, falling to number 14 Queens 71 to 56 on the road in Charlotte. This was the fourth game in the past eight where LR failed to reach 60 points in the scoring column. Leading Queens here in the win was Jamari Smith. He had 17 points on four of nine shooting from the floor. AJ McKee and BJ McLaren added 10 apiece as well. Leading LR was Jalen Johnson. He had 19 points in 32 minutes on 5 of 10 shooting from the floor. He also went 4 of 7 from the three-point line. Sal Wilson added 11, and Kevin Kangu had 10 as well. Each of the past 16 matchups between Lenoran and Queens have come with the Royals being nationally ranked. This is the longest losing streak for LR since dropping 14 in a row during the 2010-2011 season. The Royals came into the game as the fourth best team in Division II in offensive rebounding, and they added 11 more to that total. LR is now 13-50 and 50 all-time against ranked opponents in the NCAA era. With a pair of losses, LR drops to 3-10 and 10 overall and 2-8 and eight in South Carolina Conference play. Their next game is coming up Saturday at number 15, Lincoln Memorial. We just mentioned at the top that they took on the rail splitters at home and fell in that contest. Very hard to stop the effective offense of that Lincoln Memorial squad. So many guys contribute to their success. Obviously, obviously Jordan Guest was the main man there in that New Year's Day win with 27 points on 10 of 19 shooting from the floor. Then we mentioned Alex Dolling, Mikel Berries. They have a lot of pieces. That's why they're one of the best teams in all of Division II college basketball. And for LR, this anemic offense, this inability to score consistently has continued to plague this team. And that's why they've lost eight games in a row. Longest losing streak for the Bears since the 2010-2011 season. They got to get something figured out on that side of the basketball as they continue to play tough games here in sack play. These struggles have continued to crop up game after game, and it becomes even tougher when you're playing some of the best teams in the country. Queens ranked 14th. Lincoln Memorial, again, ranked 15th in the country. 
And now LR sits at 3-10 overall, near the bottom of the South Atlantic Conference standings. This team has so much talent. They have some really good pieces on the squad. Nesmith, Sal Wilson, Kevin Kangu, Jalen Johnson. There's a core here that is capable of winning basketball games, but something's just a little off kilter right now with this squad, and they better get it figured out coming up very soon because there's not much margin for error at this point. You sit at 3-10 and 10 overall, and you look at their conference record at 2-8. and eight. They got to start winning some games because you know we're looking at South Atlantic Conference tournament coming up. Obviously, no NCAA tournament future for this team, most likely. It's just about team building at this point. It's just about gaining consistency from game to game, finding things that work, finding a plan that you can go into every contest with and be confident about. That's the key moving forward. And we've talked about that as well with the LR women's basketball team who has struggled as well. Not quite as much as the men's squad, but they've had their issues as well. We've talked about that with them too. It's game to game stuff, little details that have held this team back from winning. I think that's what we're seeing with both squads right now. And again, it's it's not easy playing in this conference. Such a competitive basketball conference in men's and in women's. And when you have to face Lincoln Memorial and then Queens and then again Saturday coming up at Lincoln Memorial again, that's a tough stretch. More likely than not, LR is going to be sitting at 3-11 and overall by the time the weekend's over unless they can pull out a huge upset win. I do feel that this team can get better as the season goes on once they get into an easier stretch of games. The first half of the season has not been kind to the LR men's basketball team. Again, sitting at 3-10 and overall, 2-8 and in the South Atlantic Conference. Strugglesome performances right now. And the one stat that I keep going back to, and I've mentioned this over the last couple of weeks on this show, I keep repeating myself every single week. It's they're struggling offensively. They're not able to get points on the board. Fourth game in the past eight where they failed to reach 60 points. You've got to perform better on the offensive side, no matter how good you play on defense. And they've been playing pretty solid on that side of the basketball. You've got to come out and play better than that offensively. You've got to be a little bit more consistent than that. And I think we'll see that as this next stretch enters for the Bears. But definitely, again, very tough start to this 2021-2022 season. Not getting easier with potential rescheduling of matchups, cancellations, postponements. All of that is starting to enter back into the fold with college athletics. But again, the LR men's basketball team dropping two games to Lincoln Memorial at home and then Queens on the road again at Lincoln Memorial. They'll have a contest there coming up Saturday. We'll see if the Bears can get to 4-10 and overall, 3-8 and in the South Atlantic Conference. Again, right now sitting at 3-10 and and 2-8 and overall. So that's what's going on here at Lenore Ryan. Not too much going on on campus right now. Everything's pretty much shut down. For the winter spring sports, again, as I mentioned last week, will it be starting up very soon? Men's and women's basketball, you know, it's really day by day at this point. We don't know if a game is going to be played, if it's going to be postponed, pushed back. All of those things will continue to track and we'll obviously keep you posted on that as well. So that's what's going on here at Lenore Ryan right now. As this winter break starts to wind down and spring sports start to come back up, we'll have a lot more to talk about. But again, that's what's going on here right now. Lenore Ryan men's basketball dropping two games to Lincoln Memorial and to Queens. Let's now head into our second segment of the show where we are again talking college football. Here in the segment tonight, we're going to be talking some news. we got some big stuff coming out of the transfer portal. We'll get to that here in just a moment. We'll also talk results from the college football playoff semifinals, a preview of the CFP National Championship game, as well as a look at some of the other non-college football playoff bowl games, including the Rose Bowl wild game between Ohio State and Utah. Again, we'll get into that coming up in just a minute. But we're going to start with some news out of the transfer portal. Oklahoma Sooners star quarterback Caleb Williams announced back on Monday that he will put his name into the NCAA transfer portal. Williams said remaining at Oklahoma is an option 
but he also plans to communicate with other schools. Williams cited recent changes at Oklahoma as the impetus for this decision. Lincoln Riley, who recruited Williams to Oklahoma, left the Sooners after the regular season to become the head coach at USC. Williams was rated as the number one dual threat quarterback in the class of 2021 by Rivals.com. For the season, Williams threw for 1,912 yards, 21 touchdowns, and four interceptions. He also rushed for 442 yards and six scores on the year. In addition, Oklahoma got a 47-32 win against Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Williams obviously leading the way there as well. Again, big news here coming out of college football with the transfer portal with one of the best players in the entire country in Caleb Williams that we really got to see at about midseason when he took over for Spencer Rattler. He ignited the Oklahoma Sooners football team and took them to another level. Didn't quite get them to the college football playoff, which is obviously the expectation and the goal there in Norman every single year, but took them to another great finish, a win in the Alamo Bowl, another great season. Oklahoma doesn't do a lot of the things that they did this season without the play of Caleb Williams. Obviously, we mentioned with Spencer Rattler, things weren't quite there. They weren't quite getting it done at that level that they expect. Caleb Williams took that offense and got it to that level that we're used to seeing it at, high scoring, big plays in the pass game, opening up that run game yet again as well. All of that might be lost if Caleb Williams decides to leave Oklahoma. The thing that we mentioned, and you have to keep in mind, is he was recruited by Lincoln Riley to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley is no longer at Oklahoma. He's now the head coach at USC. We've talked plenty about that here on this show. Guys, what I want you to understand is so much of recruiting and the reason why guys go somewhere is about relationships with the coaching staff and sometimes a relationship with a particular coach. Lincoln Riley is arguably the best quarterback coach, head coach in all of college football, and he has been able to recruit some great players at that position to University of Oklahoma. And what everyone figured was Caleb Williams is that next guy in that long line of great quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, now Caleb Williams. Now he's exploring his transfer options because Lincoln Riley is no longer there. He doesn't have a prior relationship with Brent Venables, the head coach coming in. This entire coaching staff is going to be completely different. Guys are transferring out. There's a feeling of unfamiliarity with Caleb Williams and this new look Oklahoma team. And while he did say returning to Oklahoma is an option and that's something he will consider, you got to look at your other options. And as he said, the only way to do that is to enter the transfer portal. When you enter the transfer portal, that doesn't mean you can't go back to that other school. You can always kind of recommit to that program. You just want to get a lay of the land. You just want to see what your other options are. And that's what Caleb Williams is doing right now. Nothing definite. The most important thing for him is getting developed and getting ready at some point for the NFL. That's what his dad cited. That's something that he's talked about as well, is which program will get you best suited for the next level. That could be Oklahoma. It could be another program out there. Obviously, with this news now, USC, I'm sure, will be popping up in the transfer rumors. There's a lot of other schools, high-level schools, in need of quarterbacks next year. He will be the most sought-after transfer in the entire portal, no question about it. Huge news again coming out here in college football with Caleb Williams going into the transfer portal, possibly leaving the Oklahoma Sooners program. Going to be very interesting to watch here on the show. We'll keep you posted. We'll keep you tracked on all the news with that. Now we're going to go over and talk some results in college football. Here we're going to take a look at the college football playoff semifinals, the games between Alabama and Cincinnati and Georgia and Michigan. We'll go over those at length. We'll also give you a little preview into the CFP National Championship game coming up on January 10th and a look at some of the other non-college football playoff ball games, again, including the Rose Bowl between Ohio State and Utah. But we're going to start with a recap of the college football playoff semifinals. 
and first take a look at the game between number one seed Alabama and number four seed Cincinnati. Obviously, Cincinnati Bearcats, one of the great stories in all of college athletics this year, the first group of five team to make it in to the college football playoff, going up against the high-powered number one team in the nation, the Alabama Crimson Tide. This game was all Bama, 27-6 the final. Leading the Crimson Tide here in this game was Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young. He went 17-28 passing for 181 yards and three touchdowns. He did have one interception as well. Brian Robinson Jr. carried the ball 25 times for 198 yards. Ja'Cory Brooks stepped up huge for Alabama here in this game. Four catches, 66 yards, and one touchdown. Jamison Williams had seven catches for 62 yards as well. Leading Cincinnati was Desmond Ritter. He went 17-32 passing for 144 yards. The really big key to this game, statistically, was Alabama outrushing Cincinnati 301-74. to Rushing dominance from the Alabama Crimson Tide, as well as that always efficient passing game led by none other than Bryce Young. That's what makes Alabama the best team in college football, and I feel why they're going to go and win the national championship on January 10th is they have the pass game. They have the ability to spread you out, take you downfield. Bryce Young hitting those targets to Corey Brooks, Jamison Williams. Obviously, with John Mechie out, a lot of guys are going to have to step up. Slade Bolden and Ja'Cory Brooks, namely. We mentioned Brooks here in this game. Four catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Huge step-up game from him. Not only is it the passing game that is so efficient and so dominant, but that running game led by Brian Robinson Jr. Again, 25 carries, 198 yards. You can't expect to fully compete in a football game when you're outrushed like that. 301 to 74, 300 yards on the ground. That is not easy to do in college football. Alabama has that well-oiled machine running on offense right now. And again, 27 to 6, the final there. Great season for Cincinnati. This was their only loss of the season. They came in to the CFP undefeated. Amazing year from Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Luke Fickle did a heck of a job coaching these guys up and a huge accomplishment, again, for a group of five team to get into the college football playoff. But again, running into Alabama, we knew how this result would fare. We knew how it would play out Alabama getting the win again 27 to 6 they're in to the college football playoff national championship game where they will face off with the number three seed Georgia they dominated the two seed Michigan 34 to 11 leading the Bulldogs was quarterback Stetson Bennett he went 21 of 31 passing for 310 yards and three touchdowns Zamir White carried the ball 12 times for 54 yards James Cook had four catches for 112 yards and one touchdown. On the Michigan side of things, two quarterbacks saw action for the Wolverines. Cade McNamara struggled in this contest, 11-19, 106 yards and two interceptions. J.J. McCarthy went 7-17 of for 131 yards and one touchdown as well. Rushing game really struggled for Michigan, and that's the thing that we talked about. If they were going to have a chance to win this game and go to the national championship, maybe try to win it, is the running game would have to be at peak performance because their passing game is not what's going to beat you. The two quarterbacks that played here in this contest, McNamara and McCarthy, both struggled mightily. They only had 88 yards on the ground compared to 190 for Georgia. Much like in the Alabama-Cincinnati game, the ability to run the football and find balance was the key. They had 310 yards passing, from Stetson Bennett. He spread the ball around. He did a heck of a job in this game, but they also had that running attack as well. That's what makes Alabama and Georgia the best two teams in college football, and that Michigan defense really let everyone down. 518 yards of total offense they gave up. That's not what they did over the course of the regular season. That's not how they held down opponents over the course of the year. This was anything but a Michigan type of performance here in this game. Again, dominated 34-11, so that means it'll be Alabama and Georgia in the college football playoff national championship game on January 10th. This will be a rematch of the SEC championship game where Alabama took down Georgia to get that number one seed in the college football playoff. This is going to be a very interesting contest. 
to watch because in the last game, we saw Bryce Young pick the Georgia defense apart. He spread the ball around to his playmakers per usual. The running game wasn't as much there. Georgia held that down, but it was Bryce Young who picked them apart. So it's like pick your poison with this Alabama team. If Georgia stops the run, they're going to open it up with the pass. If Bryce Young's struggling a little bit, they can have the ability to run the football as well. So coming up in this game, it's going to be important for Georgia to do much better on the pass defense and couple that with strong run defense. The front four has been dominant all season long. The back end really got torched by Bryce Young again in that SEC championship game. Can't have that type of performance again. And for Stetson Bennett, it's going to be about consistency. In this semifinal game against Michigan, 21-31, 3-10, and 3 TDs. That's going to be a hard stat line to replicate against this Alabama defense who has been playing much better as the season has gone on. It's going to be about turnover-free football. You can't throw two picks like you did the last time against Alabama. you got to be strong, consistent, and efficient and couple a good enough passing game with a strong running game. they got to get Zamir White going a little bit more, only 54 yards here in this game against Michigan. If Georgia wants to win this championship, it's going to come down to a bend but don't break defense. they got to come up with some big plays there. More importantly, it's about that offense, putting up points, because there are a lot of games where teams have had to just try to play catch-up with Alabama, and it hasn't happened. Georgia could not do that in the SEC championship game. We'll see if they've learned a thing or two from that contest, going back and watching the film, preparing it for this game. Stetson Bennett's got to be consistent turnover-free game. They got a rush for, I think, at least 200 yards in this game to have a chance to win. And again, that defense has to make some big plays. So January 10th, CFP National Championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Going to be very exciting to see that rematch. So that's what's going on in the college football playoff. When it comes to non-college football playoff bowl games, we've had some very interesting results there as well. Baylor took down Ole Miss 21-7 in the Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma State downed Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl with a huge comeback. Kentucky took down Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. But no bowl game this season has been more entertaining and exciting than the Rose Bowl game between number 6 Ohio State and number 11 Utah. Buckeyes got this win by a score of 48-45. It was the Big Ten versus the Pac-12, and it again delivered. For Ohio State, quarterback C.J. Stroud went 37-46 passing for 573 yards six touchdowns, and one interception. Travion Henderson carried the ball 17 times for 83 yards. Now let's talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba, guys. 15 receptions, 347 yards, and three touchdowns on the game. That is a FBS postseason record for receiving yards in one game. 347 breaks the record that Devontae Smith of Alabama put up last year in the college football playoff national championship game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. 15 catches, 347 yards, Three touchdowns for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Again, a new FBS record. Marvin Harrison Jr. had three touchdowns as well. Six catches for 71 yards. 683 yards of total offense Ohio State put up on that Utah defense. They had 28 first downs and averaged 10.2 yards per play. That's an average of a first down per play. All right? So that just gives you perspective on how dominant this Ohio State offense was. And the most impressive thing is they overcame multiple 14-point deficits. They fell behind early in this game, and there were serious doubts about Ohio State winning this game. They gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Their defense was breaking in the first half, giving up big run plays, shots downfield in the pass game. But in the second half, they regrouped. They got back together and said, you know what? We're going to win this football game. And it was on the arm of CJ Stroud and in the hands of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Those two created absolute magic on that football field. 
Again, Stroud, 573 yards, 6 TDs, 3 to Smith and Jigba, 3 to Marvin Harrison Jr., who had a huge breakout game. He's going to be a star next year for the Buckeyes. Just an incredible offensive performance. They hit just over their average of 45 points per game. This is the number one scoring offense in college football, and they showed exactly why. Next season, they are going to be so hard to stop. Ohio State, the way that they played in this game with the guys that bring them back, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, this offense is going to be so loaded, so deep, even with the fact that they're losing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. This game will set a huge tone going into the offseason for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Big time win against a great Utah team. Champions of the Pac-12 had an incredible season as well. Kyle Whittingham did a great coaching job, but just a little bit too much late there from Ohio State. Gosh, what an incredible performance offensively. Again, mainly between C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. New FBS postseason record, 347 yards, three touchdowns for the game on 15 catches. Just an incredible output of offense from that Ohio State team. And again, they are Rose Bowl champions, taking down the Pac-12 winners, the Utah Utes. Very exciting stuff throughout all of college football right now with the college football playoff semifinals. We've got the championship coming up, the Rose Bowl, some of those other bowl games you can find more information about as well. College football coming down the stretch. We're almost there to the finish of this 2021 season. It has been one of the best seasons in a long, long time. And again, the climax will be with Alabama and Georgia, two SEC powers matching up in the college football playoff national championship game. So that is a big college football segment for you here tonight. Really excited with all the stuff going on and all that we have coming up as well. Now let's head into our final segment of the show where we talk men's and women's college basketball with our top five games from the last week. We've had a ton of great matchups over the last seven days or so, and we're going to get started on the men's side of things and go back to New Year's Day where the number one team in the country, the Baylor Bears, continued their undefeated season, taking down number 11 Iowa State 77-72. to Leading the Bears was James Akinjo. He had 16 points for the game. LJ Cryer had 13. Jeremy Soshan had 12. And Adam Flagler added it 10 as well. For Iowa State, Tristan and Aruna led the charge with 23 points for the contest. Iowa State really struggled from behind the three-point line here in this game, guys. They hit only one of 14 attempts. But again, still made it close, almost got that win, but again, falling to Baylor by five. On January 3rd, we had number 23, Wisconsin, upset number three, Purdue, by a score of 74 to 69. Leading the Badgers was Jonathan Davis. He had a monster game of 37 points and 14 rebounds. Brad Davidson added 15 as well. For Purdue, Zach Eady at 24, and Jaden Ivey added another 14. A pair of games on January 4th start with number 21, LSU. They took down number 16, Kentucky, by a score of 65-60. to 60. Leading the Tigers was Tari Eason. He had 13 points. Xavier Pinson and Brandon Murray had 11 and 10, respectively. Leading Kentucky was Davion Mintz. He had 16 points. Jacob Toppin had 14, and Kellen Grady added 13. Marquette blew out number 16 Providence en route to a huge upset win, 88-56 to at home. Leading the Golden Eagles was Justin Lewis, the sophomore, at 23 points and 11 rebounds for the contest. Oso Iguodaro had 16. Cameron Jones added 14, and Olivier Maxens Prosper had 11. Leading Providence was Indiana transfer Al Durham. He had 16. Ed Croswell added 11 as well. Providence was plagued by 14 turnovers in this contest. They shot only 5 of 9 from the three-point line for 26%. Overall from the floor, 19 of 58 for 32.8%. And our final game comes on January 5th, where 19th-ranked Villanova took down Creighton by a score of 75-41 at home. Leading the Wildcats was Justin Moore. He had 22 points. Jermaine Samuels had 18. Colin Gillespie and Brandon Slater added another 21 combined. Leading Creighton was Alex O'Connell. He had 13 points for the game. 16 turnovers the Blue Jays committed here in this one, and they only shot 3 of 24 from the three-point line. And that seems to be a recurring theme 
with certain teams throughout college basketball, a inability to hit the outside shot, and that's affecting their chances to win games. And we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was two weeks ago here on the show, we talked about Creighton getting a win over Villanova at home. The reason that they were able to make that happen was because of a balanced scoring attack, a fast start, consistent ball movement flow, and that's something that we didn't see here in this game. Villanova was the team that had all of those things going for them, and Justin Moore, 22 points here in this one, so underrated as a guard. Playing that shooting guard position, really a big fan of his, really a big fan of this Villanova team overall right now, and as critical as I was of them a couple of weeks ago, I do see signs of improvement from this team from week to week, from game to game. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, they're not the biggest team. They don't have much size there on the inside, and that's obviously going to affect them moving forward. This team has a lot of talent in the backcourt. When you're talking about guard and wing personnel, Villanova has some of the most talent in the entire country, and that's going to give them a chance to win a lot of games that they play. Same thing can be said for some of these other teams that we talked about over the course of these top five games. Wisconsin has a guy of their own in Jonathan Davis who put up a star-like performance, 37 points, 14 boards. Brad Davison obviously is a steady guard, senior, super experienced guy, really a Wisconsin type of player. He's such a competitor, knows what to do out there on the floor, just sees everything. And that was a turning point win for a Wisconsin team that really needed that. You know, to get that boost of confidence, great way to start off the new year with a win there against Purdue. And take a look at LSU, 21st ranked team in the country, what they're doing right now, what they're building, I think is pretty special. They're 13-1 on the year. This team may not have a superstar. They may not even have a star. They don't even have a star on their team right now. But what they have is cohesion. What they have is a flow about them. And they're being coached up really well right now by Will Wade. And you can say whatever you want about Will Wade because of some of the past things that have happened to LSU due to recruiting violations, all that. With that aside, he is a very good basketball coach. And I'm not dismissing any of that stuff that happened, obviously very critical in terms of the FBI investigations and all that, but that's another topic for another show. Right now, what they're doing on the floor is just outstanding. Tari Eason, we talked about him last week on the show, very good performance from him. Xavier Pinson added 11. Brandon Murray is a X-factor kind of glue guy on this team that I really, really like right now. And for Kentucky, a couple of things plagued them here in this loss. Not enough consistent rebounding. We usually see them every game win the rebounding battle. Oscar Shibway was not as much of a factor here. And give credit to Will Wade and his game planning and his strategy. Deploying Monty Wilkerson as well as Darius Days in the front court to try to stop him. It absolutely worked, and that was very effective. Xavier Wheeler went scoreless in this game, only played a couple of minutes. We didn't see consistency from Keon Brooks or Ty Ty Washington. All of the leading scorers for Kentucky really did not show up to play here. The leading scorers were bench guys like Davion Mintz and Jacob Toppin. Kellen Grady had a good performance, but all of that was not quite enough to get that win there over LSU, who dropped a game to Auburn. Huge way to bounce back and respond there against the Kentucky Wildcats, and they're due for a huge shot up the rankings this upcoming week. They'll absolutely be in the top 15, no question about it. As for Kentucky, you'll probably see them dropping into that 20 range where they were a couple of weeks ago after that loss to Notre Dame. So those are our men's college basketball top five games of the week. Villanova, LSU, Wisconsin, just some of the teams getting big wins there. Now going over to our women's college basketball top five games of the week. Some great contests here as well. Great competition across the board. And we're going to go back to last Thursday, December the 30th, where we had number one South Carolina take their first loss 
of the 2021 season to Missouri by a score of 70 to 69 on the road. Hannah Frank and Lauren Hansen had 21 points apiece to lead the way for the Gamecocks. Julia Boston had a double double of 17 points and 12 rebounds. The Gamecocks only hit 55% of their free throws, 28% of their three point shots. There were six of 21 there from it behind the arc. A couple of reasons why they came up short. And, and again, despite those things, they had a chance to win as Zia Cook almost hit a jumper there at the buzzer to win it for them. Definitely a wake-up call loss for South Carolina. They've since bounced back, getting a win over Mississippi State at home. But that's a Missouri team that you really got to look out for. 13-2 and two on the year. A lot of talent there on that squad. Ladezia Williams is a player that we did not mention in the stats. Had a double-double of 12-12. and 12. She is a former South Carolina Gamecock. Hannah Frank, really skilled junior guard Lauren Hansen. Same thing. Had a great game. Really excited to see what that team can build after a couple of down years. You know, post-Sophie Cunningham, what they've been able to do this season bouncing back has been very impressive. They almost got in the top 25 this week due to this win. And for South Carolina, continuing to rely on that defense. They have one of the better defenses in the country. When you look at the advanced metrics and opponents' points per 100 possessions, opponents' points per game, all of those stats are really good. You know, they're their top 20 team in the country in defense. But offensively, they only rank 62nd in scoring. And, you know, that's something against higher scoring clubs that could hurt them. Despite the loss, they are still number one in the AP Top 25 poll. And I think big reason for that is, you know, Stanford's right behind them at two. They defeated Stanford. Then there's Louisville and Arizona. Those teams have good resumes, but they don't have enough good quality wins to top South Carolina right now. So despite that loss, South Carolina still has the best resume at this point with wins over UConn, Oregon, Stanford. Again, just to name a few, really, really skilled ball club that is. And they'll, they'll continue to get back around. They'll continue to play very well. Expect Missouri to do the same as well. Kansas State took down number 14 Baylor by a score of 68-59. to Leading the Wildcats was Ioka Lee. She had 32 points and 10 rebounds. Baylor had three players in double figures, Jordan Lewis and Jimmy Ashbury with 14 and Nalissa Smith with 12. That game was on January the 2nd. Also on that day, we had number 6 Indiana take down number 10 Maryland in overtime 70-63. to Leading the Hoosiers was Allie Patberg. She had 18 points. Alexa Golb had 17 as well. For Maryland, Andrew Reese had a double-double, 22 points and 12 rebounds. Diamond Miller had 17. Ashley Wusu had 10 as well. Both teams turned it over 19 times in this contest. Both shot under 30% from three. Indiana just had a little bit more there to get that win. On January 4th, Nebraska upset number 8 Michigan, 79 258. Leading the Cornhuskers was Alexis Markowski. She had 20 points and 7 rebounds. Jazz Shelley had 12 and 12 for the game. For Michigan, Emily Kaiser had 13. Maddie Nolan added 11 as well. Michigan only shot 1 of 12 from the 3-point line here in this game and did not get off to a fast start. Outscored by Nebraska 19-8. to And our final contest comes on January 5th where Texas Tech Upset number nine, Texas, 74 to 61. Leading tech was Vivian Gray. She had 23 points. Bramber Scott had 21. And Taylor Thomas had 12 points and 13 rebounds. They out rebounded the Longhorns 44 33, held Texas to 29 72 shooting from the floor for 29%. Tech, on the other hand, shot 50% from the floor. And, you know, that's just easy math, right? You hit 15 to 30 shots for 50% you're going to have a good chance of winning the game, especially if the other team is only shooting 29 to 72 for 29%. That was the difference here in this game. Texas Tech had much better offensive flow here in this game. Their scoring came a little bit easier to them. And a player that we really got to start talking about as one of the best players in the country and a potential WNBA prospect is Vivian Gray. Started her career 
in Division II out of high school as a highly rated prospect, then transferred to Oklahoma State. Now is here at Texas Tech, back for one more year, making the most of it. This team is at 9-5 and five on the season. They have some losses, but they're starting to move past the rough patches and get better. Bramber Scott and Taylor Thomas also played a big role in that game as well. And again, whenever you can win the battle on the glass, you're going to be in great position to win. And I talk about this every single week on the show. I've talked about it just a few minutes ago. When you rebound the basketball and you're able to control that offensively or defensively or both, better yet, like Texas Tech was able to do here, it gives you such an advantage. I think people often overlook this stat as well as things like assist to turnover ratio, assists on made field goals, all those things are obviously so important. And Texas Tech did those things very well. Nebraska is a breakout team as well, 14-1 and on the season. Not in the top 25 yet. I'm really shocked that they're not in the poll. They got a lot of skill on that team. Alexis Markowski, she brought it. Jazz Shelley is an Oregon transfer, 12 points, 12 rebounds. There's a core here as well that's starting to come around. Just like we talked about with Missouri, a team that maybe needed some time and maybe a group that needed some time to marinate you know, and, and build some chemistry, you know, you're seeing the benefits of that. You're not always going to come out hot. You're not always going to come out winning tons of games, hitting tons of shots, all that stuff. You know, you need some time to develop. And that's what this team has had to go through for quite a while. But it looks like they found the right core. They've hit that pocket and they're starting to play very well. And Indiana taking down Maryland, major, major win for that program. I'm saying it right now here on this show. This Indiana team can go to a Final Four. They can compete for a national championship. And the reason that they can is because they play on both sides, offensively and defensively, just as hard. And their personnel has also, like we talked about with Nebraska and even Missouri, they're connected. They have a lot of chemistry. Ali Papper, Alexa Gold had a breakout game here. Mackenzie Holmes, Grace Berger, Nicole Cardano-Hillary, you know, all of these players have really come together and have created a great team and absolutely the best team in the Big Ten. I think we saw that with their win and Michigan's loss, that there's still a gap there between Indiana and then to Michigan and then to Maryland and maybe the rest of the Big Ten. You know, Ohio State's a good team. Iowa has a good squad, but they're lower ranked. They're very reliant on Caitlin Clark. That's the reason that they're not winning as many games. Indiana has a complete team, and that's what wins championships, all right? It's a complete team that brings it every single game. Indiana Hoosiers do that. They're one of the best teams in the country, one of my favorite teams to watch, and again, scoring a big win there against number 10 Maryland, 70-63 to in overtime. Really exciting women's college basketball over the last week. Those are our top five games there. We went over our men's top five games as well. We got a lot to talk about here on this show coming up. This is our first show of the new year. Again, happy 2022 to all. Hope it's a great year for everybody. That will do it for us tonight here on this episode of College Sports Today. We'll have another episode coming up next week. We hope you enjoyed what we provided here. Got another big show coming up next week. We hope you join us there as well. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. We'll see you in the next episode. I'll see you then.